Physicians have to know a lot of information on a wide variety of topics, but when it comes to financial management, they're often left lacking. Welcome to ReachMD Book Club. I'm your host, Dr. John Russell. We're talking with James Hempel, co-author of Pay Yourself First, a new book available on Amazon, a financial guide for doctors entering practice. Jim, welcome to the program. Thank you. Really glad to be here. So I've been teaching young physicians for a long, long time now, and it's something we talk about every spring is personal financial management. It's one of these things that I'm very surprised how little people know. Has that been your experience for with young physicians? Physicians ha- have to be so laser focused and the, the time demands are such that, you know, two things. So the first thing is the time demands of, of fellowship residency. You don't have time to do other things. But there's also, unfortunately, an idea that I am so smart I must be expert at everything. And certainly financial services advertising doesn't help people to avoid that kind of illusion. So how did you guys decide to write a book kind of targeting young physicians as opposed to kind of mid-career physicians, yep. which it seems like more of the books seem to be targeted yep. at more of the 50-year-old than the 30-year-old? Yeah. Abs- we, we did not set out to write this book. So we hired a woman to be director of marketing, hired her from the Heart Association, Catherine Kaiser, her father is head of a medical school. Her brother is a physician, physician family going back several generations. Mm -hmm. And she went out to the med schools and said, hey, do you have any 55-year-old physicians with $2 million that we could help with their money? And the the, the director said, remarkably, you're not the first person to ask us that question. And frankly, that's not who needs the help. The the folks who need the help are, are residents and fellows. They're about to start practice. They don't have a clue. What do you have for them? And we had to say, you know, really, gosh, we don't have a, a practice model that helps with those folks. And they said, well, why don't you go away and come back when you do? And so we sat around the table, and Catherine said, we really do need a solution. You know, my father tells me the same thing. We need, need a solution. So we decided to write a book. And we started having the conversations and interviewing people from my alma mater who were in med school and who had recently gotten out. And we said, there, there's really a need here and there really isn't a model of how to serve these folks and how to educate these folks. So that's what we set up to do. And I don't think there's a minute in medical school education really set aside for this. And I think maybe there's an hour or two, yep. maybe in some of the residency yep. programs that are a little more forward thinking. But for the most part, this isn't something where there's a whole lot of information for for young doctors. So, And you've been doing this 20-some years, I would uh, imagine? 30-some years. Yeah. Almost 40. What's the number one mistake you think that young physician who sits across from you for the first time is making? So the first thing they don't understand is what their net income is. So you go from the income level at residency into a practicing income. Your income goes up by two or 300%, in some cases by almost 1,000%. Mm-hmm. They think they have more money than they have. But then in terms of what they do with that money, the one huge mistake and almost irrecoverable mistake is buying too much house. And I, and I think that's really funny is there's all those calculators you can go online and how much house can you afford? And you, if you really plug your numbers in there, you really think that you can live in a lot more house than you can. And I guess that's if you don't want any furniture or drive a car or pay the electric bill, et cetera. Yeah. One of the readers on this book, when we were talking about houses, said, one of his peers, who was a pediatric surgeon, well compensated, bought a house so expensive he could not furnish it. And th- and that's really this kind of craziness. And I think that sometimes that you know the, these young physicians really need that kind of parental, you know, that mother figure to pull them aside and say, just can you can you live a little more modestly to start with till you really kind of figure out 
But I, but I think there's a sense of denial and having worked around young physicians for so long, they've eaten enough ramen noodles and hot yep. dogs that they suddenly want to eat something that tastes a little better and go to a nicer restaurant and do that. So, so psychologically, nobody has def- no other high intelligence, high, high income professional has deferred gratification like a young doctor. You have an engineer who comes out at 22 or 23. You have the MBA who works for two years, has the MBA at 26 mm-hmm. or 27. You could be a cardiothoracic surgeon coming out at 36. Yeah. And you've never had an adequate paycheck, certainly not anything remotely compensating for the amount of time. So that deferred gratification, that psychology is really, really important to understand in yourself and to own. And also, I think one of the things in, at least in the United States, there's often these things that are these badges of honor yes. that I've suddenly, yep. I've suddenly arrived and I have this fancy car and I have this fancy yep. this and fancy that. And I think probably some of those fancy things probably cost a lot of money, it I would imagine. And, and, and something to think about is the real estate industry that gives you that, that your income, here's how much you can afford. They're the people selling you the houses. And what happens typically is the physician comes out, finds a real estate agent, looks at that number and says, okay, let me start here and work up. And the reality is we have very low interest rates right now. So the cost of buying the house is lower than you think it is. The cost of upkeep is not. The cost of upkeep that's going to go up with inflation, it's just brutal. Big houses need big roof repairs, I would imagine. Big roof repairs, uh, nice landscaping, and also you're in the big house, and and what do you have in the driveway? What does your neighbor have in the driveway? Where do your, your kids go to school? Do the neighbors go to a private school? Does everybody else belong to a country club? And if you live in sort of the house below your means where nobody's really sure what you do, you're going to be in a much better position to build that worth. There was a line from David Copperfield. It was, you know, annual income, 20 yep. pounds, annual expenditures, 19 pounds, yep. results happiness. And, and, you the, know, other, and the opposite yep. was results misery. Absolutely. And so it goes back to the time of Dickens. So if you were sitting across from that 30-some-year-old, young 30 physician who was starting out, what would be, where would you have them start? So you start by understanding what your income is going to be, how much lower it is than you think that it is. And then you think that in all of this, you're not negotiating with a financial advisor or a car salesman or a real estate agent. Think about negotiating with yourself. So just put yourself 30 years forward. What are you going to want? And what you're going to want is choices. You're going to want to have the ability to practice the way you want to practice, to go where you want to go. Treat yourself fairly 30 years from now by moderating what you do today. You don't want to be practicing at 70 if you don't want to be practicing at 70. You want to have the choice of whether or not to practice. You want to have the choice of giving up call. My uncle, who's a physician in rural Washington, general practice, Mm -hmm. unbelievably hardworking, Mm -hmm. and delivered babies until four years ago. And he said, you know, it was time to stop delivering babies at 2 in the morning. You know, was, at that time, he was 68 years old. It's, it's, and and he could do that because he, he bought a nice house, nice piece of property, but not luxury. And he set himself up very, very well. You're listening to ReachMD Book Club. I'm your host, Dr. John Russell. We're speaking with James Hempel, author of Pay Yourself First, a financial guide for doctors entering practice. So oftentimes, the people who meet with us as young physicians want to sell us big parcels of insurance. Why is that? Well, if you think about the young physician coming out, they they have no net worth. They have negative net worth, but they do have a lot of cash flow. So who can get paid for a $20,000 slog of that, say, Mm $150,000 or however many dollars of income? Somebody who sells a whole life insurance policy. 
And I have friends who are life insurance agents. Mm -hmm. I have never owned cash value life insurance myself. I have never, you know, we're fee-based, so mm -hmm. we don't do that. Mm -hmm. But I've never suggested the purchase of cash value life insurance to anybody under age, I'm going to say 55 or 60, for very specific estate planning mm -hmm. reasons. If you're a young physician starting out, understand that the the entity, the person who has the biggest incentive to spend time with you in the financial sense is the insurance agent. And that the way that person gets the paycheck is the whole life insurance sale. Give yourself time. Come back to that in 10 years if you want to revisit that, if you're unusually risk averse. Buy a 15-year, 20-year, I've even owned 30-year level term, fixed cost, $2 million of insurance, whatever is reasonable. And it's going to cost you literally uh, hundreds of dollars a year. So how should the person know? And, and I think this is hard to do on your own. And I think your book helps. And I think that that gives people, but I, but I think sometimes needing, you know, a professional, just like you don't drill your own teeth and cut your own hair. Yep. And how do you know who to trust? Right. Cause there's lots of people in America who can call themselves uh, financial planners and there's lots of different initials and we don't always understand what all the initials, how would I know in any, any town USA, what should be in the, some of the questions when I'm auditioning someone to help me with my money? So, so the, the thing you want to understand is how does this guy or gal get paid? So when we came to this, so we're largely an investment advisor. Mm -hmm. We get paid a percentage of assets. That model doesn't work for this group. Mm -hmm. So what we did is put together a flat fee mm -hmm. program. Fees disclosed, that's all we get. There's nothing else secret. I think that's a good model. There are some good advisors. You have to look hard to find them, but, but who are fee-based on an hourly basis. Probably not the right match for somebody who has $2 million of assets, but if you're starting out, that, that's something you can do. But just look at the compensation model. You want somebody who is, you know, I'm saying this because I'm fee-based, but I, I was commission-based 30 years ago. Um, a fee-based model is a better model, I think, for the del delivery of advice. And you want to understand how they're getting paid. And certainly all the funds and things out there, there's lots of hidden fees and lots of funds that the average person might not necessarily know. I, I have to pay extra money for to put money in, to take money out. And I, I think for a lot of young investors, I, I think that's something they don't ever ask about. So for most investors, for every investor, let me back up. For every investor, all of our thinking about investing should always start with index funds. Mm -hmm. You can buy an S&P 500 index fund. The built-in cost is 10 basis points, one-tenth of a percent. You're going to capture the return of the 500 largest, most profitable companies in the country, mm -hmm. and you're done. And you don't have to do anything. And you just put your money in there year after year after year. Now, if you're five years, 10 years into practice, if you've paid off your medical school loans, if you've accumulated a couple hundred thousand dollars, maybe you want to have a conversation about something more interesting in terms of investing. But it's real hard to go wrong with just starting off indexing or start off with a target date fund. So if you're going to retire in 2050, buy a fund maturing in 2055 because doctors work longer. And I thought that was very interesting because oftentimes we're kind of pushed towards these retirement age yep. thing. And you did mention to go five or 10 years beyond because we're probably going to be healthier and things like that. So, so my grandparents, uh, and I love the kind of the part in the book that you talked about. So my grandparents would get some money and they would pay their, all their bills. And if they had some money left, right. maybe it went on a vacation and, and that's paying themselves last, right? Yep. 
So that's not what I should be doing. It's not what you should be doing. And it's not, frankly, what our generation is right. capable of doing. I, I had clients when I was starting out who literally, they would go, go to the savings and loan with $10 in cash at the end of the week and, and ended up with, with a good bit of money. Mm-hmm. We don't do that. We are a consumer society. So the way to structure it is um, everything can be done by electronic funds transfer these days. You can take your paycheck and say, I want this much in this bank and this much in the other bank. Uh, what we think is best practice is you start by figuring out what – so the first thing you do is you maximize your pre-tax savings through your employer, 401K, mm-hmm. 403B, 401A. Mm-hmm. After that, you figure out how much do I need to save. You're probably going to want to push the repayment of your student loans first, and the reason is simply they're not deductible. And the rates right now might be, say, 6.9%. Sometimes you can get a consolidation loan. That's great if you can do that. But just set up an account that is essentially your savings account direct a portion of your paycheck to that account, and then have money come out of that automatically to pay your student loan, but also to prepay additional principal. If you have high-rate credit cards, sometimes we see that for for young physicians starting out, pay those off first. If you have a loan to a family member, pay that off first. But have it so all of it is automatic, so you never see the dollar. And then whatever you have left in your checking account, you'll know that you can spend that Uh, and be confident that it's a responsible thing to do. And I know at the end of the book, you talk about seven strategies. If there was one of those strategies that we didn't talk about already, is there one thing that we haven't covered that you'd like to the the young physician out there listening to to have them do? I'm going to say something that is going to sound very non-financial, which is choose your friends wisely. We've had physicians where all of their friends are are other physicians or hedge fund managers or just really, really high net worth, high income, and they're on the treadmill. And then we have, I I think about the cardiologist with a national reputation who's literally driving a 15-year-old Honda Civic, has a beautiful house, owns a short house, bought it very late in life, bought it Mm -hmm. during the financial crisis, and his friends are, you know, the photographer, Mm -hmm. the poet, Really interesting people, really smart people, really accomplished Mm -hmm. people, some of them high income and some not. So they're all intellectual peers, but none of them are into financial display. So That's uh, a really good plan. So uh, Jim Hempel, a wonderful book, Pay Yourself First, a Financial Guide for Doctors Entering Practice. I would really recommend it. You can read it on a plane flight, available via Amazon. Just a wonderful place for starting. Jim, thank you for so much for being on thank the show. Thank you so much. Really a pleasure.